Hello and welcome to Dekai, Digital Era Entertainment's weekly anime podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and I'm here with Mario D-Man, D-Myth D-Legend, and we're here for episode number 88. 88 podcasts per hour! It's a, a new standard that we're going for here at Digital Era Entertainment. We're going to be burnt out by the end of today. Great oh, Scott. Please, no. <laughs> Ugh, certainly hope not. God, yeah, absolutely not. That would be... Oh, yeah, as uh, Nathan in the chat is saying, double infinity. No, no, no infinity podcast. Never. Ah. That's too much. Oh, God, why? Why would we do that to ourselves? Anyway, hi, everybody. <laughs> hi. So this is the second to last show of the year. We're actually going to be doing our next show on New Year's Eve. So uh, happy holidays to you all and happy New Year's and whatnot. But before we get to the end of the year stuff, we have to get to the end of the season stuff. That's, yeah. you know, conveniently enough, our next like four shows have been scheduled for us without having to do any sort of creative work whatsoever. I love it when things write themselves like this, because right now we're going to be doing our fall wrap up show. Next week, we're going to be doing our Anime of the Year show, which is actually going to be a bit of a preview for those of you who are going to be on the lookout for our Anime of the Year video, because that usually comes out on New Year's D. So we'll be able to hear all of our thoughts and rankings about 24 hours in advance. Uh, lucky, lucky you if you all tune in live, because we're going to have to roll right into our winter season previews the next week, or rather uh, the week after that. Because on the 7th, I'm going to be away at MAGFest with others. And uh, Mario, I was, was going to say, like, half, uh, half the D me. team is going to be at MAGFest this year, it, it, which is, you know, a great problem to have because I know yes. I know everybody loves MAGFest so much. So, yay. yeah. And Mario, you could conceivably do that show on your own, but it sounds like you kind of want to take that one off. And I'm going to let you have it. So uh, we'll be back then on the 14th. And we're just going to be doing a fast hard-hitting winter preview show because at that point in time they'll be on to week two-ish of the season and instead of doing our usual two episodes of previews per season we're going to burn through it all in one it'll probably be a longer episode than usual but we're also just going to keep up the pace going pretty rapid fire for that one but it'll be a good time so for now, instead of doing our usual, what have you watched this week? We're just going to barrel right into it because I don't know about you, Mario, but I have watched 10 shows actively this season. I was doing a count. I think I dropped four along the way, and then I'm sandbagging two, being Lupin the Third, Part 5, and um, a Restaurant to Another World because I uh, just had a lot to watch. Lupin is on a service that I don't have, which is High Dive, but I'll give him a month or two of payment to watch it once it's all done. And uh, Restaurant to Another World, I've just been busy, and that's one I know is super timeless. I saw the first three episodes and was able to determine, okay, this is same, <laughs> pun half intended, same fare as before. <laughs> so... I didn't feel super compelled to keep up with it on a weekly basis because there wasn't a lot of plot, nor is there supposed to be. That's how the show is done. It does it very well. And I know that I can just sort of hop into that whenever the fancy strikes me. But uh, the others that I wound up dropping were, uh, as I go through it once more, just to make sure I haven't forgotten anything. Uh, where'd the list go? Ah, I dropped Miruko-chan. It just, it wasn't my type of horror that the gimmick sort of wore a bit thin for me. It was amusing enough. Uh, if you like your grotesque horror 
and comedy and a little bit of fan service, you can do far worse than Maruko-chan. Mario, I don't believe you actually watched this one at all. That is correct. Um, the, uh, I, I've definitely not seen anything other than whatever people decided to spotlight for Instagram. It's uh, It's been one of those experiences for me. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah, I'm, a, like, I'm a little bit late in my It's not a bad show. It's no, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't look bad. It's just like, eh, you know, not, not really my bag. Yeah. The d- Over the past couple of years, I've really noticed that my consumption of comedy shows has gone down a lot. And this is a half comedy, half horror show, and goodness knows I like horror less than comedy. So it was just sort of a mismatch there, but I can see the the appeal, the production values are there, that if you like your bits of just unsettling horror, it does it very well while keeping it overall lighthearted, that if you don't like horror, but like comedy, you can like this show. Absolutely, that this is not a horror horror show. It uses its horror elements to comedic ends. So uh, if that is to your taste, I definitely suggest checking out Maruko-chan. Just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't. Uh, The other ones I dropped were The Vampire Dies in No Time. Again, a comedy show just wasn't able to really grip me. uh, But it seemed like a lot of fun. Plus, it has Jun Fukuyama. So it almost felt like a sin to drop it. But sorry, Jun. uh, Your name alone is not quite enough to keep me in. But... Uh, It's a Madhouse production, still very good, and if you're looking for a fun slapstick comedy, this is absolutely going to be one for you. Yeah, just to interject, that was one that I'm a little uh, sad, because I I, I mentioned in our pre-show that I was actually, you know, just skimming through the the seasonal list just to make sure I didn't forget anything that I I watched from the small handful that I did watch, and that was one of those where I keep coming back and saying, man, I really should have just given that a try. I really needed to sit down and watch it, because it sounds like the kind of show I would enjoy. Yeah, in terms of anime comedy, since you liked several comedy shows that I just didn't care for this year, a la uh, Duke of Death and His Maid, it it, it feels like not a it's not a fan service type of comedy in the sense that Duke of Death was, but it has that similar comedic feel that it's very lighthearted, very silly, that I think it would be up your alley. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun, goofy time uh, with, with some good talent behind it. And, you know, sometimes that's all you really need, honestly. Yeah. It doesn't need to have, like, some crazy gimmick. In this case, it has a very fun, silly gimmick. But it's it's kind of a, you know, it, it's a subversion on, on certain uh, horror tropes, which already makes it a fun time. So... Anyway, that's just my interjection. Please continue. Yeah. Uh, the Night Beyond the Tri-Cornered Window was the sort of horror-slash-mystery-slash-yaoi show, which, you know, if you're looking for a yaoi show, then here you go. Uh, it's not explicit or anything, but let's just say the overtones are very heavy-handed. So, if that's to your taste, here you are. Um... The mystery just didn't quite grab me. There were a couple of elements I didn't care for overall. Uh, nah, I, I don't really know about this one. But, you know, if you like your sort of supernatural thriller, I would call it thriller more than horror while it does have horror aspects. And if you like some yaoi, here you are. The other one that I dropped was Visual Prison, which I know Emmy holds near and dear. She has just been loving it because that is, you know, if you're looking for an ice cream flavor, that is Emmy. Here you go. This is the one. And I watched two episodes and I was like, Emmy, what is Emmy aesthetic in anime form? 
presents really this show. <laughs> like that's the, that's basically it. <laughs> like this is probably her anime of the year. Spoiler alert: it is not on our anime of the year list because she understands as well that this is not anime of the year material in a critical sense. But for her, I think it was anime of the year. Yeah, and and just a, a quick aside: I know this is kind of uh, getting us a, a, a little bit ahead for next week. Um, e- even over on our esports and gaming podcast, uh, Decode, which airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Digital Era Twitch, with the exception of next week because they are also on holiday hiatus. Uh, when when uh, Gino and Ken were kind of you know going through the year in their kind of you know preview of our upcoming Game of the Year video, which drops Christmas morning. Uh, so if you are listening to this after the fact, uh, congratulations, you can go to our YouTube channel and check it out and see what made our top 10 as well as our honorable mentions for game of the year. Um, they they also stated that there were a bunch of things that they personally loved uh, that either wouldn't have been critical uh, game of the year contenders or things that, you know, may may have made the list in some capacity, but not where they would have personally put it because everything was being weighed, you know, more objectively. So to, to that point, yeah, you know, we, we certainly will all have our personal favorites, um, but they might not even make the list <laughs> just because that's, that's, that's how it be. <laughs> yes, indeed. But that's for the ones that I dropped, but onto the ones that I kept watching, uh, I'm going to go through a couple since Mario, did you get a count of how many you actively watched the season? If memory serves, it was about four. Uh, let's see, because we had, uh, we had Muvlove, we had World's Finest Assassin, we had Comey, uh, am I leaving anything else out? And then the, the two shorts. That's right, yes. So Doki-chan and Tabawa on Monday too. Yeah, and I didn't watch either of those shorts, but, uh, I'm gonna burn through a couple of the ones that I watched that you didn't real fast, then I'm thinking we'll do one that we both watched then you can do the shorts and, you know, we'll alternate around and figure out things. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Cause man, I, I also want to talk about some of the ones that might've slipped through our, our fingers this season, because there again, in the pre-show I was going through and I'm like, man, how the hell did we miss some of these? <laughs> so go on. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we are counting demon slayer as having not aired this season because over half of this season was dedicated to the rebroadcast of the Mugen train film arc. They only actually started the Entertainment District arc like two, three weeks ago. So for all intents and purposes, that is a winter show. We are not counting it here. Uh, but on to the ones that I did watch. Talked Opus Destiny. Talked OP Destiny. Ah, uh, yes. This one of the was the... That keeps popping up in places. This is the second most disappointing show I've had this year behind Fena Pirate Princess. In oof. that... <laughs> Can I get an oof in the chat? bad. <laughs> But it was disappointing because this is a MAPPA Madhouse production. The visuals off the charts. The music, great. The acting, fine. It's, you know, frankly, we don't speak Japanese, so we can't really be a judge of the acting ability. Uh, But the plot just left a lot for me to be desired. And some of that is systemic of the fact that this is... A adaptation of a soon-to-be-released, so not even a already-released, but a soon-to-be-released mobile gacha game. And you can kind of tell that there were elements of the story here that felt like they could have been so much more. There were a lot of would-be emotional beats that looking at the comments 
in uh, Crunchyroll, and I even just skimmed a couple ones on Reddit R anime that hit for some people, and for me, they just didn't. There, there was a major character death, and I honestly did not feel that much for it. That um, there was a lot of thin plot issues there were several holes in the plot a lot of really not all their character motivations that are very emblematic of gotcha game adaptations and like i said this is one of those things that you would go to the oscars and you would see this thing up for and possibly win things for you know best sound design or costumes or special effects type of thing and it would get that but that it's not going to be nominated for anything in terms of actual you know acting or screenplay or script adaptation it's not going to get those awards if you want something pretty to just turn your brain off to you can do worse than Destiny. I will absolutely say that this is better than Fan of Pirate Princess I just hold them in comparison because it is a very pretty show with a lot of pedigree that just didn't deliver on plot. But I'll watch this over Fena any day of the week. Damn. That's <laughs> just damn. That's <laughs> brutal. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, another one with pedigree was Platinum End. This is the one that is by the creators of Death Note. And you can feel the hints of their Death Note tendencies here, and I've mentioned a couple of them, of just uh, the mid-card, the, the mid-episode cards have rules of what's going on. It's kind of polar opposites in certain ways, that the protagonist here wants to prevent anyone from dying instead of actively wanting to kill people. It is angels instead of Shinigami. It is a fight to become God that is sanctioned by God as opposed to a mortal trying to build himself up to become God artificially. It's kind of funny just how many, not parallels, but inverses there are here. And it's still very good. If you like Oba and Obata's style of writing, you will enjoy Platinum End. This is not going to be the genre-defying, you know, even just uh, industry-defining show that Death Note was. But to be fair, it would be extremely difficult for anything to live up to the legacy that Death Note has left us because it is such a huge show for so many people. But it doesn't actually feel like Oba and Obata have lost a step at all. It's not quite the same logical mind-bending that you get, and it doesn't feel like it's trying to be either, that... There's enough differences to keep it feeling fresh that if you were to watch this and not know that it was Oba and Obata, you would not necessarily think it was them working with inverses. It's just if you know that it's them and you know a lot about Death Note and are looking for those parallels or inverses, that you can find them and it's kind of amusing. It does not actually detract from the series. I do not mean this as a, a way of saying that they are lazy or anything in their writing. It's just an interesting observation that I found. But I found the series, on the whole, very entertaining. 12 episodes have aired of 24. It has a second core on the way. I'm like two episodes behind, but I'm going to keep up with it. It's been good. It's been good. Well, okay then. That is, that is a plus to hear. 
because yeah like when when something like this you know starts off strong and then just falls on its face yeah that, it has not stumbled sad. it's kept up a fine bar all along the production values are there the plot is there uh like i said this isn't in my opinion going to be one that people necessarily remember five ten years from now but this is a perfectly respectable product this is a perfectly respectable show uh the plot is holding up for what it is um uh, it doesn't feel super original but it's doing a lot of stuff different that if i were it's difficult to say this feels like other show but with thing that it's still plenty creative, and I like what's going on. And if you enjoy Death Note, I recommend giving it a shot just to see those inverses that I'm talking about, because I see them as a feature, not a bug. So this is actually a perfect launch point uh, to segue into one of the shows I know we were both watching. I don't know if you finally caught up on the conclusion of the season. I'd like to talk about Muv Love Alternative. Yes, I finished <laughs> it. I have finished it. And to be fair... Oh! Oh, it, oh, oh, boy. By the so, way, by the way, I'm not sure if you saw, second season has been announced. Okay, good. Um, but also, so let's go back to where I was just talking about how, oh, man, you know, it's it's really disappointing when something starts off so strong and then just stumbles. I now that we are like through the, the middle part of the season was the worst. I feel... When we got into this Civil War mini arc, that it actually picked itself up a bit, knowing now that we're getting a second season out of it, that it hasn't gotten to the heights of episode one. I don't know if it ever will, but I felt like it dragged in the middle, but that these last several episodes were really good in a lot of ways. So... Here's the revelation I had while I was watching this final episode. And this is this is like my biggest grievance with where this show has gone. And thank God it's getting a second season, because if that's where they were ending, it's just like, oh, it'd be terrible. Oh, it'd be horrendous. Like, it still kind of lost me. I'm going to be completely honest. So I was here for off brand live, die, repeat. I did not come here for off-brand Code Geass. There's our one for the week. <laughs> what the hell was this this entire, like, last chunk? What the hell? Like, I figured this would be, like, a, a small diversion, and then, okay, let's get back to the main plot. <laughs> I, I kind of wish we had been told up front that it was going to be a two-core, because that does paint expectations a lot more, and I think you would have enjoyed it more. Had you no, known No, honestly, I'm... I'm being very, very, very blunt here. I did not enjoy this this little side quest. It would have been amusing for like two or three episodes. That's like okay, okay, but we get it. Four. You know, pe humans are the worst. Uh, we still have infighting among you know different nations. Yeah, I, I get it. I get the point. Can we get back to fighting the aliens, please? You know, all the crap that you promised me in this mm -hmm. bombastic first episode that to this point, you've been speed running through so much that important character deaths, I assume they were important, didn't even phase me because I'm just like, oh, okay, who was this person again? Because you were so busy speed running the plot of this visual novel, you clicked auto. <laughs> I'm sorry, you clicked the skip button on the story and forgot to let go until you got to the part that was basically, hey, this is the part where we're ripping off Code Geass. You kids love code geass right well here have some have some code geass and they weren't even the best code geass ripoff of the season no. we'll get to that one no it was not <laughs> so i am 
ah, so even though I was I was very understanding, very patient with the brisk pace of Muv Love, I also think the ending theme was one of the biggest mismatches I have seen in a very, very long time. Like it was frustrating to get through an episode uh, like be left hanging like there's there's this great meme that I have like bookmarked. <laughs> it's just like uh, uh, anime. Uh, oh, no, you just genocided the entire world ending. And it's it's Subaru from uh, <laughs> from Hollow Live along with the duck, just like doing a little happy dance. And I'm like, that's what it felt like every episode in this yeah, last chunk of the season. You're not wrong. <laughs> and, and I hate it. I hate it so much. It makes me so mad. Do you think you'll show... watch the second core or are you done with it? I'll be honest. I don't know. Like I haven't been this pissed off at a finale knowing that there's more coming since Valvrave the Liberator. And if anyone Ooh, knows baby, my feelings about, about Val... <laughs> anyone knows my feelings about Valvrave the Liberator, you know, I was, Ooh, that was baby. a trip. <laughs> I and didn't. And you said oof to my callback to Fena. That feels like a bigger oof because Valvrave, mm, mm. Valvrave, aka, hey, let's do Gundam Seed, but worse. <laughs> like, that, that Honestly, if you want to talk about Code Geass ripoffs, I, mm, mm. Ugh, no, it was it was literally. They had a like, literal thing they called Power of the King in that Mario. Yeah, but if you look at everything, they were ripping off right down to the TM Revolution opening. Yeah. That was about the only good thing to come from Valvrave the Liberator, by the way. Preserved Roses slaps. It is still a banger. Um, but my God, if that show wasn't Aniplex just turning around and saying, hey, why don't we do this thing that was popular 10 years ago, except, you know, let's throw on vampires because kids like vampires, right? I dropped it two episodes into season into season two because uh, I was already kind of like on the fence. I just so remember I'm... I binged both seasons of that thing in like I'm sorry <laughs> period because I wanted it to be good so badly. I, I wanted to like that show. It's not good. I, I, I bought cosplay from it. I wore cosplay from it at Anime oh, Expo. Oof. And yeah, Were, yeah. Did you at least have a client that was paying you to do it? No, it was a trial run for oh, what no. we thought were going to be the the inevitable promos for it. And then, holy good God, that thing just tripped over itself, face planted. And uh, yeah, I, I will always complain about Valgrave the Liberator. It had so much promise. But uh, I think I think our pal Henry from AC Paradise uh, put it best. Uh, it, it was basically uh, it, uh, a, an emotional cocaine trip. <laughs> with the highs and lows oh I'm yeah like, oh yeah no that was that was what it Oof. felt like week to week um but while so we're I talking know... about code geass ripoffs i might as well talk about 86 season two oh um, okay an interesting not, not thing... where i thought we were going with that but yes okay go wait on. what did you think the other code geass ripoff i was talking about was well in, th in this case it wasn't so much code geass ripoff just thing where i had a wait did they just say what i think they said moment <laughs> so go on go on uh so 86, I've caught up with it. It was announced yesterday that the last two episodes will not be aired until March. I'm not sure if you saw that DM from me, Mario. I did, in fact, uh, when I was yeah. when I was getting set up for the day. <laughs> so, so, oh boy. Keep in mind, this is an A1 Pictures production. Its production values are off the charts, and it has been keeping it up. It has already had two delayed episodes this season that they have they had for, like, episode six that they had a 6.5 and then they had like a 10.5 because they've already had production issues i haven't bothered really looking into it i'm not sure if it's a1 themselves or if one of the outsource studios might be dragging a bit but whatever reason when the show gets to broadcast it's still really freaking good the production 
values that I I like and appreciate that they have the standards to say we would rather not air it than air something bad. So I respect what, that. So what I'm hearing is they're cribbing Code Geass so much that they are even going right down to the delay in finale. I don't remember there being a delay in the finale, was there? Oh, my friend, let me tell you, back when Code Geass first aired, I got into it when it was in the middle of a multi-month hiatus for the penultimate episode. (laughs) That was how I was able to catch up just in time to wait another month for the actual finale when my poor suffering friends who had been following that show from day one basically were dealing with what you just described. Yeah, they're doing it. worse. Yeah, they're like cribbing Code Geass to the point that they're cribbing the delays. (laughs) Nice. But the thing is, just this show has kept it up. It's been really compelling the second season is a complete arc shift from the first one that i I don't want to go into too many spoilers because a lot of it is circumstance that i want people to watch the show and i don't want people to be spoiled because there's some very fundamental things that make up the second season that would interfere with one's ability to enjoy the first season because there's too much information there of how things end but suffice to say that there is a shift at the end of season one and it pulls it off that it feels like a logical progression of the story. The change in circumstance is earned. The change in characters is earned and it's doing some different things. Some people might not like the second arc as much as the first arc, but it is progression. It is not just, all right, we're stuck in the cycle of season one and we're going to keep that going until the finale that it feels like a new chapter. And I like it. And the characters have been good. There's been some characters who have been sort of relegated to the back seat because other characters have been more so put in the front seat. And I'm a bit bummed because some of the characters that have been put in the back seat are ones that I really enjoyed. But at the same time, the ones that have been put in the the front seat now are pulling their weight. So I can't complain that much. Uh, Okay. It's it's really good. It's really good. Um, Watch 86, folks. It's, I compare it to not quite Code Geass. It's almost more akin to Attack on Titan, frankly, but with mechs instead of titans. And the titans are smart and get smarter. But it's that type of tonal, oh gosh, we are up against a just insurmountable, unrelenting force. Also, the composer is the same. So if you like that uh, Attack on Titan soundtrack, you're going to get more of it here. And it's Ooh. they're a really good composer. They're yeah. really good. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they do some good scores. So mm-hmm. that, is, that is a good selling point there. Absolutely. Go watch 86. Uh, another one I just finished this morning was Banished from the Heroes Party. I decided to live a quiet life in the countryside. This How'd was, that go? Uh, really good. The last episode is yet to air. I am caught up with episode 12 of 13. The end of episode 12 sets up episode 13. You can tell where it's going to go because this is not a series of twists and turns, really. This is a a very tropey show down to the point where the tropes are built into the world's rules that people have what are called gifts, which is basically stats and like abilities and attributes that are bestowed upon them by the Almighty at birth, that people are born into roles 
in RPG fashion, that there is the hero, that there are people who are given the berserker role and like have these things such to the point where their actual impulses can be impacted by their gift. It's interesting because it sort of subverts it that it, they take this gamey type of mechanic and they implement it, but they go farther to the point where it becomes a point of contention and a lot of character moments, especially in the latter half of the season, are driven by, I don't want to be defined by my gift. I don't want to be pigeonholed into a way of life, into a personality, by something that has been predetermined for me. So the writers literally wrote the characters as tropes and are now having the characters rebel against the tropes that they have been written by them, the Almighty, as the writers. And I find it kind of cool. That is meta as hell. <laughs> it really is. It's really wow. meta. Oh, but at man. the same time, you have what is promised on the tin. This is not a very action-heavy show. This is about a guy who has spent a lot of his life on the front lines fighting and has decided to step back from it all. He was sort of coaxed into it. That's only episode one spoilers, so not that bad. But that in this new life, regardless of how he wound up there, he learns to love it. He falls in love. That we have a couple that by episode six, like, they're actually a thing. This isn't a will-they-won't-they. They. That they are actually moving in together. And while they are super awkward at first, they are mutually awkward and they're very much aware of their feelings for each other. Yay. And they get and they get together around like episode seven or eight. I say this as a pseudo spoiler, but also as a thing for you to look forward to because there's so many goodness knows shows where that's the whole hook of will they won't they will they won't they and then in the finale you sort of get a hint because they might kiss once. No, you actually get the relationship and you get them committing to each other and you have it become then part of their thing of why they want to stay in this quiet life because they have found each other, they have found a life that they enjoy. And it's a healthy relationship. It's actually really nice. Head whips over to the backdrop for those of you watching live and the two soon to be three seasons that we have suffered through this. But good Lord, if it isn't worth it, because everybody, including the side characters, are just the best. <laughs> and this is not a Kaguya level show. Don't get me wrong. I rate this at a seven out of ten, probably that it's still very average in a lot of ways, but. Oh, I mean, it's, in terms of the uh, the love story <laughs> specifically. Yeah, yeah. The, the love story is probably uh, the best part of this thing, honestly. Um, but it's very enjoyable. If any of this has sounded uh, interesting to you, check it out. I don't expect people to remember the show a year from now. It's very, it, it's very average and mundane in a lot of ways. But mundane isn't always bad. And since you know, it's in the title that it's a quiet life type of thing. And that makes me sort of more forgiving, I suppose, yeah. of it being not remarkable, because obviously every production wants to be remarkable, but the way that this one is, it isn't, but it's enjoyable enough, and it's in a genre that being unremarkable almost plays to its favor, so... I feel like yeah. this is a, a good point to transition from something unremarkable to something unbelievably remarkable, something that has punched way, way above its weight. 
Uh, I think we should talk about World's Finest Assassin. Because, <laughs> oh my god! I'm so happy that you've fallen in love with this show, Mario. <laughs> like, I think you've enjoyed this show more than me, and I've enjoyed this show, don't get me wrong. But, like, you, I feel, have just, you know, really fallen in love with it. So oh, yeah. I'm going to let you take this one. Okay, so... Start to finish, uh, I have been extolling the, the the virtues of this show because it ticks so many boxes, not just in terms of things I personally enjoy, but things that I I don't want to see uh, in, in an isekai being completely overlooked, subverted, or just taken in new directions. Like, from the first time I saw this trailer and read the plot synopsis, I'm like, oh, oh, there's there's something special here. Well, let's see how the first episode goes. Oh. Oh, good thing I have a second episode to watch. And oh, my God, this this is continuing to to aim for excellence. Uh, assassination pun somewhat not intended. The finale. Uh, Joel, you put it back when you said that it was very extra. You were not kidding. I oh, will not yeah. spoil the circumstances oh, yeah. of one of the greatest moments in this episode. But I will tell you this right now. I had to pause before it's one so of the dumb. big moments. But it's turned, so good. I turned to Laura and I do not equivocate when I say this. I was like, I was just about to make a joke about insert plot device that is very similar to what we actually saw there. Then proceeding to point out how this is exactly how something happened in a movie that I saw that I actually enjoyed, which is not a great movie, but still punched way above its weight. And I, I just lost my mind because I'm like, I can't believe I almost joked about something very similar to this. And then it happened. And I, oh my God. Silver <laughs> Link knows how to pick them. They do. Uh, and, and the presentation of, you know, this, this, this big climactic moment in, in the finale. Oh, I know we've been beating the Code Geass horse so much this episode. That was Lelouchian levels of cunning. And I was here for that because it's like, it was so extra, but so well thought out. And there was, there was no argument here. I was just like, no. No, this this is this is fine. <laughs> this is this is better than anything I expected at the very beginning of this show, and I I expected a lot <laughs> once I saw what it was promising. Um, in in terms of the overall uh, the overall show experience, start to finish, amazing characters. Uh, there are so many good best girls. Uh, Tart ended up being my my personal favorite. I think she's a very 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 sweet girl. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I definitely value her over the others. Um, there were definitely a few oops moments, which, uh, you know, now, now knowing who the original author of the light novel that this was sourced from, I'm not at all surprised at that. I, I believe it was a we, moment and I'm, that, we, yeah, we, that, we shared we our, shared our, our like, why did we have to do that? Why did you have to do that particular thing? It was so unnecessary. It's not it a was. deal breaker, but they did. They did a fan service thing. That's the only way I can describe it. They uh, did a fan service plot point, which serves no purpose whatsoever, other the, than to make everyone who doesn't care for that particular fan service plot point sort of face slap. Yeah, it was a it was a kind of kind of cringy, gross, unnecessary one. <laughs> so that was that was one of the only oopsies, and it, it's made even worse when you see like how many times they they lean on similar things to explain away how everybody is able to spend time with each other. Uh, so that made it super gross. But aside from that, oh my God, the action scenes were great. The logic of the main character from start to finish has been 
exactly what I would expect for this kind of a setup that they brought in. Uh, the the intrigue of everything they've been building towards. Like, I actually have some crazy theories about what was set up in the post credit stinger. Uh, I will not share them here because I really don't want to spoil this unless you think that it's kind of a thing that's like, oh, yeah, no, they really should have just shown us this sooner and then whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it it, it exceeded expectations. Uh, is it one of the best shows I've seen all year? If we're being super critical, no. In terms of personal enjoyment, holy good God, yes. <laughs> that was really fun. And I'm very excited for season two. I was I was a little They eh, have not eh. confirmed they sorry, they have not confirmed production of season two. Oh, they they very they, much they sets have up to get a, a season, season two. two. <laughs> and it just this is the thing with Silverlink shows that, like I've said, a lot of what they do are based on light yeah light novels that are built to go more than one season and they do multiple seasons as Mm -hmm. we have with my next life as a villainess uh Mm -hmm. they even confirmed uh our last crusade season two is going to be happening and sometimes they announce season two right away sometimes it takes several months so just because they have not announced second season does not mean the show is dead in the water no god no uh yeah i i really hope and i if I were to bet, I would bet on it, but it oh, is yeah. not an assurance. It, it already had a, a, a huge following before the show even came out. Again, this is stuff I dug into when I was you know, trying to see what a big deal it was. It's like, oh, no, this was a big freaking deal. So it's got the pedigree. It stuck the landing. Uh, it, I, I, I would be surprised if it didn't connect with more uh, people across the overall anime fan base because it really did so much right. And yeah <laughs> it's like i i will happily wait for the confirmation and if that was the only season we got i'll be a little bit sad especially with you know what they set up for they season set up. two but my god if it isn't a ride it's just like if oh, i yeah. needed if i needed a textbook example of how to do isekai right and just have a generally solid story with good logic behind it that's going to be one of my go-tos moving forward that is how much i personally enjoyed this one like, maybe I'll give you a list of some of the other Silverlink titles that I know you haven't seen that I've watched over the past couple of years because a lot of them do this. Like I say, Silverlink knows how to pick them. Yep, and uh, it was it was a certified banger. So the reason why I also wanted to launch into this one, <laughs> this is where I mistakenly thought you were going. Um, they had a Gios reference. <laughs> Literally, they had a Gios reference. <laughs> I missed it in that case. Are you serious? Uh, granted, it was in the middle of a line of dialogue in the middle of an already intense scene. But um, straight up, I, I I was just like, again, turns to Lara. Did 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 he just say the word? <laughs> did he just say the thing? Well, I know where we're getting our one for tomorrow. This was before I realized we were going to be mentioning it. it. Uh, probably, <laughs> you know, remember, I'll be like, oh, I just didn't register that as a Gios thing because what, yeah. what was it? Um, While they are talking terms before the the big climactic sequence uh one of the characters uh, says says to the other uh you know i uh, uh do you want me to to put a gios on it something like that and i'm just like oh yes because g e a single s exactly is a spell that is yes. common in various term various forms of mm-hmm. fantasy like there is a spell mm-hmm. In Dungeons and Dragons, like official Dungeons and Dragons player's handbook called Geass, G-E-A-S. 
mm-hmm. and it is a command that exactly yeah okay uh, <laughs> so, so that's why i probably it, flew by because it's just like proper traditional to, use pr- yes proper traditional gios not code gios but yes yeah but it's still it's still hard not to be amused by that because oh, you know, yeah. anime yeah. and everything i just said about not just this this episode but this whole freaking anime up to this point it's just like oh you just need to add one more s there y'all because this, mm-hmm. this show mm-hmm. felt like it it's like everything i loved about that show just translated into this uh so yeah that was uh that that, that was my <laughs> that was my ted talk on the world's very finest nice, assassin nice. oh yeah. man that was, that was uh, so, so good let me see which other ones haven't i gotten to yet ranking of kings this was my standout for the season and this was the one that subverted all my expectations because the key art, for those of you who don't recall, is Little Prince Boji, a small little dude in a cape and a diaper sitting on a throne. And I read through the synopsis, and I will, you know, just say full on, I, I did not expect the series to be one for me. I remember distinctly during our preview show a couple months ago saying, yeah, I don't think this is going to be a show for me and just sort of skipped right over it. And Surprise! then I saw a couple of reviews saying this thing is really good. And it was one of those things that I always say. I go to a couple different places. I check Anime Feminist. I check ANN. I check a couple other sources just for initial reviews. I saw it was super highly rated on Mal. I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's something here that I obviously did not get from the key art and from the blurb. And it's from Wit Studio, so I'll check it out. And yep, it deserves the hype. It's really good. I compare it to, like, Studio Ghibli doesn't make anime. And Wit Studio has proven that they don't need to. Yeah, it's like, if, if, if Ghibli did anime, it would be this, it, yeah, essentially. If, if, if Ghibli did, you know, broadcast anime, TV series, it, it would be this. And the thing is, Wit Studio is also... This is not their usual type of animation. Keep in mind, Wit Studio is the one that did the first several seasons of Attack on Titan. They're the ones that did Vivi Fluoride Eyes song. They usually do very harsh lines, very action-heavy, intense shows. This thing looks like a coloring book. It looks like a children's book. But it's some, still so good. Sometimes you gotta work outside they, your comfort just, zone, challenge yeah. yourself. And they hit it. They hit it. And... um. Spoiler alert, this is going to appear in the top 10 somewhere. This yep. is going to appear in the top 10 somewhere. Yup. And it's really good. Um, it is a two-core. They have that from the outset here on uh, antichart.net, where we usually look for our blurbs and everything, it is said that it was going to be 23 episodes. So it is not complete, but the pacing so far has been really good. And I feel like in another core, they're going to get to where they need to be. But there's a lot to like here, folks. Absolutely check out Ranking of Kings. Uh, Emmy's actually doing some of the assistant direction uh, for the English adaptation, which is cool as well. But legitimately, check this one out. It's very, very, very good. Speaking Uh, of very, very, very good. (laughs) I kind of want to end on the very, very, very good one. You do your miniseries first, Mario. Oh, okay. Um, Well, then I walk back the statement I was just about to make. (laughs) Because oh, oh no! I would uh, I would, I would definitely not apply it to to this, uh, not to the extent I was going to apply it. So, uh, I I kind of gave my recap on uh, Gambare Doki Chan and Tawawa on Monday too, uh, when both of those shows wrapped up. Uh, I think it was like 
three or so weeks ago, something like that. Um, so the the TLDR, if you want some light, fluffy shorts that, yeah, they're kind of fan servicey, but in the case of Gambare Doki-chan in particular, are very, very cute and wholesome. Uh, as we are fond of saying here, you could do a lot worse. They are very fun. Not not must-sees, and for Tawawa on Monday 2 in particular, uh, despite it being a sequel, uh, having crashed, uh, crash-binged the first season because again these are five minute shorts so crashing an entire season was not that not that difficult at all you can almost say it was super easy barely an inconvenience uh yeah you don't really need to see season one you're they do a good job of just kind of setting you off uh on your way in season two because there's very little continuity between things like the most continuity most continuity you'll get is a little bit of framework for why uh you know we have this whole setup the way that we do um other than that it's a lot of new stories uh that that uh you know follow self-contained arcs and you know are fun and wholesome so yeah that is uh that is where i stand with those <laughs> nice nice short and sweet just like the two shows in question awesome uh i have two more and then we'll go to our last one one is uh, the great jaw he will not be defeated uh another silver link which i'm a couple episodes behind on it was only a 20 episode show but i'm on like 16 or something uh it's been fine it's been fun uh i know a lot of people really like the series it's a comedy one which is part of why it didn't stick super hard for me but it's enough that i want to finish it which is still something uh that's still good yeah and being a, a comedy series it's also one where there's not exactly that compelling hook where i feel the need to binge these ones but i just sort of leave it on the back burner and whenever the fancy strikes me i know i can pick it up and have a good time it's still been thoroughly enjoyable i plan to finish it the other one is the Aquatope on White Sand, which I spoke about mostly last season because it was a two-core uh, two show, and I sung its praises last season and sort of took my foot off the gas this season, not because it hasn't been good, just there's been a lot of other more recent stuff, and it's gotten to the point in the show with the second arc that I can't talk too much without really spoiling the first arc, but mm. suffice it to say... It is in my personal top five for the year. I think this is a phenomenal show. This is another one by PA Works, which is along the lines of um, Shirobako, which is along the lines of Sakura Quest, which is sort of, it's known as their working series, which is showing characters in unorthodox is not the proper term here, but uncommon lines of work. And the one here is working at aquariums. And this is the story of two girls overcoming a lot of heartbreak, a lot of circumstance. The subtitle for this show is Two Girls Met in the Ruins of Broken Dreams. That's a really sad freaking subtitle. And this show hits those emotions. It's a sad show, but it's also a really happy, beautiful show that it's, it's really, really good. They show so much nuance in the characters. It's a big cast that you have your two leading girls. But I would say that there is about a dozen supporting characters, and they all feel good. They feel complete. They have story arcs for a lot of these characters. The resolution at the end of 24 episodes is clean, tied up in a bow. It's not that these stories are over, that you can... The, this is not ending at the end of these characters' lives. They have more living to do, and it's clear. But the story at hand is tied up very nicely. It makes you wonder what they can do in their future, but at the same time, you don't need to know. 
There doesn't need to be more Aquatope on White Sand. But for 24 episodes, you get to meet and learn about these characters, live in their world, see them grow, and it is so damn satisfying. And it's just, it is a beautiful show from a visual, from a narrative, from a character perspective. Aquatope on White Sand is like aquarium work, uncommon in its material and its approach, but it is phenomenal. I cannot recommend the show highly enough. Absolutely check out the Aquatope on White Sand. If you are anyone who has ever liked aquariums or marine biology, this is a love letter to you. Even if that's not your cup of tea, watch it anyway, because it's just good. And that's my TED Talk for the week. I feel so bad because I was going to make uh, a, a kind of quippy comment because uh, I, I just noticed something on Great Jahi and I'm like, oh, this feels so inappropriate after after that, that beautiful <laughs> soliloquy about about this, this wonderful uh, emotional anime experience. We'll go on and make it now. You've at least prepared us for the impact. So um, I, I was looking at Aquatope while you were checking it out because I, I wanted to quip about something, but I wanted to check my facts. Uh, Great Jahi is listed right below it. I noticed the uh, the rating that it has on Anichart. 69%. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I felt it was very important that we had to share that information. <laughs> Aquatope oh, man. Is higher. So uh, but before we get... 73%, which I think is still super low. But anyways, as you were saying, Mario. <clears throat> uh, so I, I assume we can finally get to the, the, the big one. But before yeah. then, I did want to take a moment uh, to acknowledge a few shows that did kind of slip through the cracks. Uh, so the first one that really just kind of bothers me that I still haven't gotten around to, and I keep telling myself I need to sit down and watch this, Blade Runner Black Lotus. It's freaking Blade Runner! Shinichiro Watanabe is a creative producer on this show. Ah, ah, I need to see this. I just, I haven't been able to get into the right headspace to sit down and watch this thing. And for all intents and purposes, as far as I can tell, it's doing real well uh, for, for Toonami and the crunched role. So, eh? I, I don't so. know. I what, mean, what at about least you? on Annie chart, it's got a 53, but to be fair, Annie charts ranking rankings, I feel are not entirely representative and usually skew a bit low. So uh, take that with a grain of salt to be sure. I have not really heard much one way or the other on Blade Runner and nerd confession, I've not seen the original, which yeah. is part of why I did not prioritize it. But I hope it does well. Me too. And, and to be fair, uh, watching Blade Runner, it's it's hard to do because there's like four or five different versions of Blade Runner. <laughs> so it's like, which one do you watch? Well, let's sit down and break it down, which we are not going to do here because we don't have enough time for that. Also, this is not that kind of a podcast. <laughs> if we ever start a film podcast, you better believe we're talking about Blade Runner. Um, but yeah, no, it it's, it's a whole thing. But the TLDR is, it looked cool. I'm really sad and disappointed in myself for not seeing it yet. Maybe, maybe someday. Um, the other one that uh, I was very surprised kind of slipped through the cracks, which is also kind of funny when you think about what this anime is about. Uh, Pura Ore, Pride of Orange. Oh, yeah. Love live hockey, hockey anime. <laughs> like what? What? <laughs> like I'm seeing this squad and they, they're, they're giving me serious love live vibes. Um, and I'm I like, saw wait, an uh initial reaction to this from Glass Reflection, who is a Canadian 
any tuber. Oh, uh, so I definitely would take this seriously because that, yeah, <laughs> go and on. He was a bit disappointed. He was like, this is very, very basic genre fare. He was not impressed of just how quickly they picked it up and that it seems that it was very tropey. It didn't necessarily do anything offensive or crazy poorly, but that for someone who had been looking forward to a hockey anime, that this was not it. Okay, so it sounds like it it probably did what the badminton anime did, which is, hey, this is something you don't see every day. Oh, this is boring as hell. Kind of, and that not necessarily that it was boring, but that it was very tropey that they got good in an episode or two and were sort of competing already in that it sounded like the characters were a bit tropey. But at the same time, uh, it sounds like it was just a passable sports anime and that this particular person wanted it to be something more because hockey is so rare and that it's a sport that he very much enjoys and wanted to see done well and that it did not live up to his expectations, but that's not to say that it is an inherently poor show, but that it's it's nothing special. I mean, I just think the idea of a hockey anime and it being with a, a, a squad of idol-esque cute girls as opposed to, like, macho dudes or even, like, handsome dudes, th- there's so I much there. that this version <laughs> where you're having a, a traditionally more masculine quote-unquote Thing like ice hockey, which is obviously not a male-only sport, but it is a it is a rougher sport. It mm-hmm. is a sport that is defined by you know a lot of physical contact, and it's one that you know in the NHL you will regularly see the players literally throw off their gloves and punch each other. I was just about to say, like a <laughs> Kawaii hockey fight, sign me up. <laughs> You're not getting that. You're not getting that. That it. it from everything I can tell, this is clean hockey here. They don't actually get into scuffles like that. And you know, Sorry. maybe that's maybe that's why they lost the audience. <laughs> you forgot <laughs> the most important part of hockey, the hockey fights. Uh, and then the last one, for me personally, that slipped through the cracks that, eh, you know, take it or leave it. Uh, Gundam Breaker Battlelog. Um, the Gundam Build series has been a very interesting one <laughs> over the past couple of years. It's been very hit or miss. Like the first one, it was one of those that just like, defied expectations in fact that was the show i kept watching the same season i dropped valrave instead in fact i remember i think it was the second Ah. or third episode of gundam build fighter season one this it aired the same day as the episode of um uh valrave that made me say i am done with this crap (laughs) because at least this is fun Um, so build fighters ha- and, and all of these subsequent build spinoffs or, or, uh, reimaginings have been all over the place. And that's probably why I just haven't bothered with, uh, with breaker Battlelog, especially since this one is clearly tied into the, uh, the, the, the video game series that has been adapted from the whole Gundam build thing. Um, so yeah, not, not too much. Uh, I was going to say about that. Just, you know, I, I like, I like Gundam and I just didn't get around to this one. So. Oh, well, too bad. So sad. Yep. And now for the show that this is another one, Mario, where I have enjoyed it, but it's clear that you have loved it. So I want to let you have Comey can't communicate. 
Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, no, this is uh, not just um, becoming one of my own personal favorites. Uh, it's very clearly uh, a favorite of uh, Neo Ivan, who is our wonderful uh, engineer for this live broadcast and also one of the streamers here on the channel, who also handles a lot of our edits, uh, in addition to the the wonderful Dancing Red Sox, who is here in the chat. Um Yep, and without without skipping a beat, uh, you know he, he's already dropping in our uh, you know show notes, <laughs> Comey Comey reactions. Um, yeah, Comey can't communicate. I have been saying this from the beginning. I know that there was a lot of hype behind it, but I was still incredulous because, as we've stated numerous times, a show can come in with all the hype in the world, but if if it stumbles out of the gate, it does not matter worth a damn. And Comey can't communicate. It it was one of those that was just like a revelation. While every every episode since has been varying degrees of pretty okay to uh, almost eye wateringly beautiful, uh, I, I will still say that this one definitely earned its hype. It has earned the second season that it uh, it just announced the other day. It hasn't <clears> finished um, airing on Netflix yet, by the way. We've only got ten of the twelve episodes. It's finished airing in Japan. Yeah, yeah. It, so it's, it's finished its, its broadcast in Japan. On technicality, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> We're just catching up here in the States because, well, at least Netflix was nice enough to give it to us on a small delay. Yeah. <laughs> that's the important but, thing. Hey, a two-week delay, I think, is perfectly reasonable. Oh, Would that's, I like it totally same day fine. like we get off a of Crunchyroll? Sure, but you know what? I I appreciate that we're getting this on a broadcast-style thing that the... Mm -hmm. The subtitles are very high quality. Yes. I'd like it if they were a bit clearer with the sign sometimes, but it's, to be fair, this is a particularly complex show for subtitles because yeah. so much is written. So I'm going to give them a bit of slack here. And the vitals and the vast majority of what's on signs is very clearly indicated. Mm -hmm. uh, would I like it maybe a bit more complex subtitling like you sometimes see on Crunchyroll? Sure, but this... There's never an issue of comprehension here. Yeah, and, and I will say it this. It is a very uh, I, strong show, as Mario has been saying. I, I think part of it is just the way that Netflix does uh, its subtitling. So it may be something just from the uh, from the technical side that's preventing them from, you know, kind of going ham like other companies like, uh, like Crunchyroll, who essentially specialize in this kind of thing and already have all their all their ducks in a row to do the weird stuff. Um, so I don't fault them at all, because like you said, no comprehension is lost. The vitals are there and the show itself just consistently delivers. Like last night when catching up on this week's episode, uh, if that had been the season finale. Yeah. Literal I, 10 out of 10. I was catching up with it this morning because I wanted to catch up and have it all set for this. And I finished episode 10 and it was at like one o'clock or well, two o'clock your time, Mario, an hour before broadcast. And I figured, okay, cool. I'm uh, on schedule. I'll be able to watch the last two episodes. Mm -hmm. And then I go to the next thing. It's like, it's not there. And I had to double check. It's like, I'm pretty sure this is a 12 episode <laughs> thing, but it you is. know, Netflix does 10 episode seasons sometimes. So maybe I was confused and I had to double check and see, yes, there are in fact two episodes left, but it was the type of thing where I could have seen that as a season finale because mm -hmm. it, Spoilers don't matter in Comey because Comey is not a plot show. Comey is a vignette show. It was a sports festival episode. And sometimes sports festivals are your season finales. So that's part of what fakes me out there. Yeah. Uh, and especially like the B part of, of the episode. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Like, I, I remember like both Laura and I were, were just 
a- absolutely emotional wrecks with that last scene because <laughs> it was like, oh, this sweet. is so cute. It's <laughs> oh, very God, sweet. This is like yeah. diabetes levels of sweet. Yeah, uh, and and with none of the emotional gut punches that would usually come with something like Fruits Basket. It's just like it's <laughs> it's, it's all the it's all the emotional content. None of the sad. Yeah, <laughs> that's it, what I love about it. It's yeah, like, it, it reaches deep and makes you feel things without making you feel bad, and that is an impressive feat. Yes, and and you know, considering like the the state of the world in general, like even in, even in non pandemic hell times, and and just all the stuff that we normally sit down and enjoy as as fans of of all sorts of multimedia. That is an impossible feat <laughs> for anything. And this show just delivers in spades. So I'm hoping that it becomes one of those timeless, timeless shows that people can go back to and say, oh, yeah, you know, the the, the one with the, the really cute, quiet girl that also gives you all sorts of feels, you know, like one of those one of those evergreens that you can always recommend to someone just being like, oh, you want a funny anime that's also like really cute and shows you why anime hits the way it does. Comey can't communicate. Also, I've realized that cute characters who don't talk is not necessarily a huge archetype, but it, I would call it an emerging one because we have three mm-hmm. this season with Nezuko, Komi, mm-hmm. and Boji. Yeah. Three voice actors that are getting paid lead role money, I assume, to just do a couple of real quiet efforts. Uh, and and I laugh because I saw I saw a meme that uh, really encapsulates this. It's just like, could you imagine? You know, this is your breakout role, <laughs> and then it shows picture of Comey. And I'm like, oh god, yeah. Like on the one hand, top billing. On the other hand, who? <laughs> Not great for your reel. Let's just I, put oh, it that way. Weirdly, if you can convey certain types of emotions with only a few reacts, <laughs> like, hmm. That is a skill onto itself, but yeah, it's 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 rough. It's just like, oh, what's your lead role? I played the titular character. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, what's a good scene to to show? Um, uh, give me an hour so I can find like the one scene where I actually say something. <laughs> but it's yeah, no, it again, and, and the thing that makes it work so well is every time Comey speaks, it's an event. Case oh, yeah. in point, episode ten. I won't spoil the Ooh, circumstances. Maybe that moment. I it, it hit hard emotionally, but it was also gut bustingly hilarious. It's that's the that's the secret sauce of Comey can't communicate. So yeah, oh easily easily one of the best things I have watched not just all year but probably in a very long time. So yeah, and just it when I say you, I like the show. You love the show. I don't mean to slight the show. That it's another comedy, which usually means that. It, you know, it takes more to get me, but the fact that I'm keeping up with it actively already is a thing. Um, I usually like a lot more plot in my shows, and that's personal taste. And Comey, as I said, is not a plot show. So no. that's two kind of barriers, usually, that would keep me from enjoying it. And the fact that I'm enjoying it so actively, despite the genre of things being kind of antithetical to my own personal tastes should speak to how good it is and how well it does what it does. Because this is not a show that is supposed to be about the plot. It is not a show that is supposed to be about, you know, logic and, uh, you know, complex scenarios. This is about someone with deep social anxiety learning to very, very slowly but surely 
come out of their shell and the people around them working to help facilitate that, that this isn't a, you know, Tadano is not a perfect character himself. He's not this white knight character coming in to save Comey because she can't save herself. He is the person who helps crack open that door, but then is aided by this increasingly large cast of supporting characters who also help him bring Comey out of her shell. But Comey has to do some of this work herself. It's not just them saying, oh, you can do it, and her doing it. It is abundantly clear in every scene that Comey is still struggling a lot, but she's making progress. Yeah. Tadano is is just a good, good boy. <laughs> He's just doing he his is best a very to be good very boy. nice. <laughs> and I will I will actually use my my one F bomb. I am telegraphing this for our wonderful editor Remy. <laughs> Everybody in this school is a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just a fact and it's oh, one of the no. things that i've never even heightens. thought of it from that, that oh my god like that's but you're right oh that's oh one of the god, things they that, are that, yeah it heightens the the entire situation because it's like wow <laughs> despite everything but the thing this, is this very not, not implausible even... scenario is the most plausible thing in this entire show <laughs> and one of the things that's so impressive is that they aren't weirdo archetypes that they, they have well they have a we, couple archetypical elements got, to we've them we've got that the, the edge lord we've got the, yeah. the 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 pet uh we've got the actual sociopath we've got a literal ninja <laughs> we, yes, we have but the thing is it feels the hot-blooded like character than, so hot yeah, that they that, even that their eyeballs have, have flames fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, they have their touch. archetypes in that they you can boil them down to that but they feel like more than archetypes that they have their foundational elements for sure. Yeah. And and, and again, like you they, said, they do, they aren't they do completely entrenched in it, except mm -hmm. for the Chuni that they're just completely entrenched in it. But I yep. feel like that is a, that's sort of required for Chuni that you are so very entrenched in it. Mm -hmm. So I give a pass to that particular archetype. Yeah. So anyway, that is a, <laughs> that, that is Comey can't communicate. Praise be to Comey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And we've gone over by just a couple minutes because we got started a couple minutes late. But for being a wrap-up show and for having so many titles to discuss, I feel like we've made pretty good time today. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's also good that we skipped a bunch, apparently, <laughs> just yep. to keep uh -huh. us on track for today. Uh, but yeah, so there we go. That is, uh, that is it for today. Uh, obviously, like we mentioned uh, at the top of the broadcast, if you are watching this live tomorrow, Christmas morning at 9 a.m., our fifth annual Game of the Year video goes live. Uh, very excited about this one. The thumbnail, another absolute masterpiece by Lorraine. This year featuring our very own mascot, Didi. It was very cool seeing uh, Lorraine's interpretation of the, the character. Uh, and it's going to tell a little story. Uh, between our our two uh, end of year videos, so uh, keep keep a literal eye out for that. Um, and then I believe you have some special holiday fun <laughs> planned for yes, uh, yes. the afternoon. Uh, at one p.m. Eastern time, Taylor Reaches Beast and I will be broadcasting here the second annual Holo Day special that is going to be focusing on VTubers and Holo Live. 
It's going to be a combination of an intro course for those who might be looking to get into the rabbit hole and figure out what the heck all the hype is about and why there's all this stuff going on in the Discord whenever we post in the DTuber Central channel. Or for those who are already in the rabbit hole, it's going to also be a simultaneous retrospective of the year and all the things that have happened, the fun, the exciting, the sad, the memes. It's going to be a good time. We don't actually have a timeline or know how long this broadcast will go it's going to be more than an hour i can essentially assure you of that but it's going to be pretty freeform i think for us to just bounce around get into the weeds about some things help introduce some concepts for those who might not be aware of them and just have a good time basking in the glory that was honestly the year of the vtuber because things got set up last year but this was the year so Definitely a lot of fun. Highly, highly recommended, even if you aren't into VTubers yet, because like I said, part of it is going to be that accessibility, that introductory. So if you are so inclined, please tune in. We hope you will. Otherwise, Mario and I will be back next week for our, uh, not game of the year, anime of the year show, uh, followed by a week off and then our winter preview show. But uh, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Image Anime. You can visit them at imageanime.com and use the code DESCOUNT20, that is D-E-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-2-0, for 20% off all in-stock items between now and the end of the year. So uh, actually running out of time, do go on and use that if you are looking to get some stuff. Uh, don't expect it to get there by Christmas anymore, though. Maybe by the beginning nope. of the year. Nope. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yes, the order has to be before the end of the year, not delivery, so there you are. And also you can check out some Digital Era merch at digitalerentertainment.streamelements.com. And you can like, follow, subscribe, all that jazz here on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. I think that's all that we... Oh, and YouTube, of course. And on YouTube, you can check out the trailer for Kokoro no Pro, our upcoming visual novel wrestling dating sim that is being headed up by RJ and Mario. So do check that out. I think I've hit all the vitals, Mario. Is there anything else we need to get to before we head out for the day? Yeah, for those of you watching live, uh, stick around in just a few minutes. We will be doing our weekly happy hour, second to last one of the year. We are almost at exactly one year of our delightful happy hours put together by our very own Neo Ivan. So uh, yeah, for those of you watching live, stick around. Uh, for everybody else, I'm sure we'll have clips on our Twitch channel that you can enjoy to see what you missed out on because oh boy fun 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 <laughs> but yeah other than that uh Joel take us home until next time stay safe stay sane get your Fauci ouchie and your flu shot and we will see you next time on Digital Era Twitch Boom.